Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you this week? I've been pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. We missed a week, uh, unfortunately. I have been moving, and I have uh, this has been a hell week. It's been one of the worst experiences of my life. Uh, I hate moving, and I hope I never have to do it again. But I, that's how I spent my last week, and we missed out uh, of, of, of a sports show last week. So we're going to have to a, uh, bring a double good episode this week, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, JP, Kenny Pickett. Playing his first game this week. Let's start with that. Let's not bury the lead. What are your thoughts on uh, this past Steelers game? Steelers loss to the Jets and uh, debut of Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think that we're in like the day and age now where it's smarter to get a rookie quarterback starting right away rather than sitting and holding a clipboard. Um, I think of Kenny Pickett. I wasn't sure if he was NFL ready, so they did lean on Trubisky for the early part of the season, but. Mm-hmm. Like Tomlin said, there's just no spark. And, I mean, us being fans and observing Trubisky over his career, we know his, we, we know the limitations on him. So I'm excited to see what they have in Pickett. But I think Buffalo is a very tough place to start. I kind of like it. Like, um, I, Trubisky's not the future. Um, I, I was starting the season. I was like, let's go with Trubisky. Let's not be like the Yinzer. Like, get Kenny in there. Let's do it. Um, I was like, you know, let's this let's have the vet in there, then he can learn. And then I saw kind of how the offense was going. And I don't want to be one of the guys who like complains about Mitch Trubisky because there's so many people. Like if Mitch Trubisky would have thrown those three interceptions, they'd be out of their mind or whatever. So I think there is kind of a bias where they, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett gets more grace than Mitch Trubisky would. But I didn't think that he would be coming in this early in the season, and I'm kind of glad he did because that Steelers offense, as soon as he came in, just felt like it had like an energy that it didn't before. Yeah, I agree. Like Tomlin said, they need a spark, and I think that spark is what brought them you know, the lead later in the game. They couldn't maintain it, unfortunately. But I think if you just keep in keep Trubisky in with the same old routine, you're not moving the ball downfield as efficiently. Pickett showed a lot of poise and promise. Um, he did throw three interceptions. Every ball outside of that was a completion. Um, I don't think the last Hail Mary interception was his fault necessarily. But yeah. The other two were, and those are things I think need to be coached. I, I've i heard on sports talk all over the city for the last couple of days, well, since the game happened, a lot of different takes on the interception, his first throw in the NFL uh, to Claypool, who didn't come down with it, and it ended up being an interception. Uh, thoughts on that? Thoughts on who to blame on there? Is there a blame to go around? What are you? What do you think? To me, that's an underthrown ball by Kenny Pickett. He needs to um, lob it towards the back corner of the end zone and allow Chase Claypool to make a play on it. I think that was underthrown a little bit, and Claypool tried to adapt and make a play, but he just, you know, it was a poorly 
throwing football and ended up with an interception. I think I, that one's on I agree. I feel like he should have thrown him open a little bit, hit him, you know, closer to the goal line. Because uh, he had room to run, and I feel like if you throw it out there, it's going to be harder for that corner to get over. Uh, but you do see the people that say Claypool, you know, he's that big target. He's the one that you expect, you know, throw it up, give him a chance. Uh, I, it looked like it was catchable for him. He got his hands on it. I mean, it did get batted away. So I think there's a little bit of column A and column B. Had it been a good throw, Claypool maybe comes down with it. It is a battle catch, but, you know, you hope your big receivers, who's supposed to be strong like that, comes down with it. Yeah, he's definitely the um, playmaker along with George Pickens when it comes to the jump ball. Um, but to me, that, that ball is underthrown, and even though Claypool got his hands on it, that's that's a tough play to make for, for the wide receiver. Yeah. Easier play for the D-back than the wide receiver. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so what are your other thoughts on... Kenny Pickett's uh, debut. I thought he did show um, more promise in the pocket, being able to extend plays with his feet. The athleticism was a little bit better than I anticipated coming out of college. But again, he's where really where kind of where he was in the preseason. He's able to complete balls on quick routes and move the ball efficiently down the field. But I think when you're playing, you know, NFL starters and you're going to throw three interceptions, make mistakes like that. I'm not surprised that Pickett was, you know, that he turned the ball over, but I think that's something that he needs to clean up, and it's something that, you know, Tomlin in Canada are going to have to work on with him on their center. I'll I'll have to rewatch. I don't remember the second interception, JP. Uh, do you remember? He tried to throw a ball to Fryermuth. It looked like he forced it, okay. and it was too low to go out of bounds, but too high for Fryermuth to reel the ball in. Uh, yeah. hands in. It was intercepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every uh, every interception he threw would have bounced off his Steelers' hands. Then, yeah, I'll, I'll, it, it would have been a, a tough play all around. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying oh they're all catchable. I mean, three interceptions is three interceptions. Although the thing that I mean, I'm looking at this as I mean they're not going to be a if they even squeak into the playoffs, which I doubt they will. They're not really a contender, so I'd like them to kind of get Pickett in there, get him under there, have him kind of trial by fire. I like that he's going against Buffalo because I kind of feel like they're probably not going to win the next game regardless just because he's a new quarterback and stuff like that. But maybe going against somebody of that caliber of an opponent, now it's like uh, having the the batting donut on the bat. You know, you're hitting something harder, you know, the week after. Maybe uh, maybe the, some of the teams further on don't seem as tough after having Buffalo. I don't know. Maybe that's wishful thinking. They have a tough schedule all around coming up. They also have Philly, Miami, and um, Tampa Bay all, all in that cycle as well. So Philadelphia, the lone undefeated team, I believe, left in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, they're looking better than everybody. And, uh, I mean, that's definitely a handful of games that Pickett's going to have to learn real quick, especially if he's struggling offensive line. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. Eagles are the only one. There's a lot of division leaders at 2-2. Two and two. I mean, obviously, it's early in the season, but I feel like you, there's no teams that – I mean, there's teams that are definitely good. The Eagles, like the Bills, are always going to be good. But there seems to be a lot of teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack. That's what I'm saying. The past like three or four years, the NFL like teams are getting smarter and better, and it looks like there's more of an even playing field across the board. I mean, look at what Cincinnati did last year. No one expected that, and they snuck in as what a uh, maybe a, what, what were they four seed? Maybe I forget exactly. So they weren't even the t- top two seeds out of the AFC. You know, it just seems like any given Sunday is really the mentality of this league now. 
do we like it as fans that there's more kind of uh, any any team can win any week, or do we like the juggernaut Patriots? Do we like the having you know the Patriots and the Colts and the Steelers who are like you know the the good teams for years and years? Throw the Ravens in there too. Like those are those are some of the battles you see in the AFC anymore. Maybe we'll see different teams every year. I mean, oh, it seems like there there's less of the of the dominant ones and more of the good ones. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's better for the league because then you're seeing like young quarterbacks develop quicker. What a year makes you know. Look at uh, Trevor Lawrence; he's playing much better this year. You have to also think Urban Meyer not being there is addition by <laughs> subtraction. I, I, he yeah. seemed like he didn't care at all. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the worst, could be the worst coach in NFL history. It's so funny <laughs> when you see some of these, like, college coaches go to the NFL. Like, Nick Saban, he was not a good NFL head coach. And then didn't he just, like, quit on the, the Dolphins? Maybe it wasn't the Dolphins. But then just to go to Alabama, like, it was like a – I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I thought he did some shady stuff, which doesn't sound like Nick Saban, but – <laughs> yeah, he was kicked at, or I don't know if he was fired or quit, but I mean, smart decision. <laughs> or or it was something else, like he promised he was going to go do something and then just went back to Alabama anyway. But I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nick Saban seems like a douche. Um, one thing that I did take away from this past Steelers game is Chris Boswell is an absolute monster. Yeah, he did nail. Um, he was. He missed that was the longest one in there. In uh, Akershire Stadium history, <laughs> the, the the two games there. No, um, <laughs> so it was what fifty nine yards. I heard. Yeah. So, well, I think yeah. it's like the longest in Heinz Field because I think he previously had the long at fifty six. I thought that's what they said, and now he has yeah. it at fifty nine. And it, it's not like Heinz Field is is a dome. Like he dominates in a tough stadium to kick in. Yeah, and um, he's missed a couple kicks early early in the year due to like weather conditions or due to. Um, you know, a poor blocking up front. So it was nice to see him nail a 59 yarder. He's very consistent when conditions are good. And yeah, Heinz Field or Akershore Stadium, toughest place to kick if you ask any kicker in the NFL. He seems like he have has a confidence that like, and you see a lot of these kickers anymore. Like they're they're and especially the ones in the AFC North. I'm talking about uh, Bengals. Uh, what Evan McPherson is that his name? Uh, mm-hmm. Justin Tucker, who's like probably a Hall of Famer kicker. You just see these guys who it's like they come on, and it's like you're surprised if people don't knock down fifty yarders. Where that used to be, like, oh my god, it's a fifty yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, kickers are getting better too. Um, yeah, and you can see like fifty yards is kind of the new norm. One thing uh, too to take away is I heard Cam Hayward said that. He needs to step up and do better with T.J. Watt absent and Micah Fitzpatrick so that he's tired of losing to teams that he knows that they're better than. Yeah. And to me, I, I want to see someone else on the roster finally say something or m- make a play. I'm I'm just sick of Cam Hayward being the only true leader on this team and Micah Fitzpatrick and him and T.J. Watt being the only true playmakers. It's time for someone else to step up or time for Tomlin to say something. I think one in three is pathetic. Yeah. I, uh, and the jets just don't really have a good team and they were up by 10 at the end. Like you need to close that out. Yeah. If Pickett doesn't throw that interception, if he sails the ball over fire head, they win that game. Yeah. 
Well, uh, that's that's what I was going to get at earlier is when you see these interceptions, and oh, that was the whole point I was going to get to, and I went on a tangent. Um, when when you know the season's probably not going to end in the Super Bowl, you know, I like seeing the the quarterback get out there, you know, f- have his mistakes, see what the NFL defense speeds like, take some chances, and then you know. Get better on that. What was Peyton Manning his first year? He he was garbage. If you look at his stats, he had way more interceptions than touchdowns. And then the rest of his career, he was an absolute monster. So I'm hoping that maybe he comes in, learns uh, tough lessons, learns you know uh, the speed of the game, catches up, and then you know from there just dominating. Hopefully, and that's what you have to do. You have to get adapted to, like you said, the speed of the game. Um, 49ers held Trey Lanson for a whole year, and he even struggled this year. I think it's best to actually just get them out and adapt it to that speed immediately rather than waiting a couple years. Because what if you do wait a couple years and then your quarterback's not able to adapt and all of a sudden you just wasted a first-round draft pick on the quarterback? Yeah, that is one of those things where it's, do you sit them? Like, I feel like even if you don't sit them, and the NFL speed is a lot faster but it's like you're going from one year and now you're playing again. It's like having that injury year or whatever, like shaking that extra rust off. And now, I mean, it's different for everybody. Certain people you probably want to you know, sit on the bench. Maybe they're not uh, as studious or whatever. Maybe they don't pick up on the game plan or whatever. There's a, a number of reasons that they wouldn't do it, but um, it's different for everybody, I guess. Yeah, so I think it's good to get Pickett in there. Um Plus, like, I mean, Mahomes sat a year, but that was behind Alex Smith, who's had success in the playoffs regular season and made a couple Pro Bowls. Um, but sitting behind Trubisky, no. I, I think it's time to get the rookie in there, just get him adapted to the NFL and see what he can do. The biggest thing I saw, I think, in the game plan between the two, and this is what I'm talking about with slinging interceptions, like, I feel like he was throwing the ball to win where Trubisky's playing to not lose, like playing it safe. I don't want to lose my job. I'm just going to be very conservative. And I like seeing, you know, maybe it's a mistake, but I like the full speed mistake where you're trying to make a play. And I, I'm 100% agree with you on that. I think that um, the best quarterbacks in the leagues, ironically, last year, the best quarterbacks did throw the most interceptions. I think Stafford actually led the league and outside of Trevor Lawrence, it was all of top-notch guys. Herbert's up there throwing interceptions. I'm not saying that, like, obviously that's not good, but it shows that they're taking chances down the field. I like that Kenny took a shot for Claypool down the field. Ball needs to be thrown better. But, you know, you didn't see Trubisky throwing balls downfield just like Roethlisberger last year. Right. If and- you um, play not to lose, you're going to lose. And it's it was uh, nice to see not even just stretching the ball down. Because, like, when you do do that, and then say he say it's not an interception. Say he just drops it. At least it's a, a risk. Like at least you have to be wary of it instead of the old offense where it's end around. Let's not throw it past five yards. Let's throw it outside. I did see Pickett throw it between the hashes. I like seeing that too. Yeah, and then from there, I mean, teams have to respect the deep ball. Safeties get pushed back, and then it allows you to run the ball with a box that isn't crowded with seven or eight guys. You know, the teams just seemed to have adapted last year. Steelers could only run the ball. They had one way of winning football games, which was to run the ball, throw short hooks and rounds, and play defense. And, you know, unfortunately, defense hasn't been able to maintain, you know, the uh, 
top-notch level that they supposedly play at without TJ Watt. So that seems so and again, backwards. They their losing streak without Watt. So I mean, if the defense isn't going to, you know, step up, offense seems to make more plays. The offense that the Steelers have seems to be so different than the way any other NFL team runs it. Like it's more college-y to me. To me, it's just like old school style of football, and it's not working. I mean, you see what Cleveland does with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but it works. You see what Derrick Henry does with Tennessee, but it works. Najee Harris is a great running back with the O-line and what they have. It's not working Yeah, to win football games. You know, it's you, you, you need to have a quarterback, and you need to have playmakers. That's what wins in today's NFL. And, well, well, hopefully in a league where D-backs can't touch wide receivers, take those shots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying with some of those. I mean, hopefully it doesn't end in an interception, but a lot of times it ends in a catch or at least a pass interference. Now, JP, let's uh, let's move along to Buffalo this week. Uh, they, I believe I heard that this is the biggest point spread, the biggest underdog the Steelers have been since the 90s. Yeah, I, they set it at 14 points, and the Steelers actually haven't lost by – Double or they've only lost three times in the past three years by double digits. I feel like that's a good bet on uh, Steelers to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fourteen's a, a, a lot of points, and I guess it's just it's the faith of a rookie quarterback having head into Buffalo. Maybe that's what's concerning the concerning Vegas. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe they saw the interceptions, thinking it's going to be a turnover-driven day. Um, the, the Steelers' running game hasn't been too existent. At least with Najee Harris. Yeah, they've been struggling to move the ball in, in any sort of the way, and that's going to be tough with a Buffalo defense that brings in fresh rush rushers consistently throughout the day. Uh, if if you had to say uh, the Steelers will win the game, why would you think? What did the Steelers need to do in order to beat Buffalo? Well, they upset them last year by playing defense and making teams on special plays, which is also how they beat the Bengals this year. I think if they expect to win, it's there has to be another blocked punt, another blocked extra point. There needs to be turnover-worthy plays. Um, and you need to, you know, when Josh Allen runs the football, he's blows RB1 as well, it looks like. When he's running, you got to hit him and you got to take the ball away. Do you like the 14 points, Brett? I do, yeah. I think it's, that's like too many points, I think, in favor of the Steelers. Um, like I said, they haven't lost by – they've only lost three times the past three years by double digits. Um, and I think that they're going to play a conservative game plan running the football and then using Pickett just to get by and extend, get first downs. So I, I think that they'll look to control the clock, play defense, and they need a turnover or a special teams turnover if they expect to win that game. Buffalo is a little bit banged up at wide receiver. They still have Stephon Diggs, but I think you're going to have to look to double him and make someone else beat you in this game. All right. JP, you want to get to your picks? Sure. How many picks do we have this week? We have five. Isn't it? All right. Let's start with number one. Let's just stay on topic. Yeah, I'm picking the Steelers plus 14 against Buffalo. It's far too many points. I think that they'll look to control the clock. And I'm not saying there'll be point, points on the board consistently, but if you can extend first downs, milk some clock, and even if you punt it, I think that they're going to be able to maintain 
that 14 point spread. I, I agree 100% with the time of possession thing. Like, I could see Buffalo just having a ton of time of possession, too, in between scoring. And then the Steelers, you know, will probably get on the board a couple times. Um, if it's even with just field goals, hopefully Boswell can keep them in the game or keep them within that 14-point spread. That is that's such a big number. Uh-huh. And if you look at outside of Stephon Diggs, if you could shut down Diggs, put him in double coverages, uh, they have Gabe Davis with a banged-up ankle. Offensive line's not at 100%. Offensive line's actually kind of a weak link to this team, besides uh, the running backs, too, which are non-existent. When Josh Allen has the football, you got to hit him, and you got to turn get a turnover here. I, I think Buffalo is playing a dangerous game with these run games with Josh Allen, and if someone's going to take the ball away, it, it's going to have to happen this week if they want to get a W. Is Josh Allen the best quarterback in the NFL right now? I still say Mahomes because Mahomes has a 2-0 and record against him in the playoffs. Josh Allen is phenomenal, but I would I would still go Mahomes. Now Josh Allen never got a chance in overtime, right? Uh, uh, th- this past right. one, Mahomes put the game away. Uh, I yeah, that's one of those things. He, uh, what? Are you one of the guys who think both teams should get a full possession? I kind of liked how the role is, to be honest with you. Buffalo wanted the role change, and ironically, the week after Cincinnati kicks it off to Kansas City and still wins the AFC Championship. I kind of am a little old school with it. Have your defense stop the guy. If you want to win the football game, defense has to stop. All right. Um, I, I do like a touchdown to end it, though, because then it's... I, I, I don't like the old, old rule where the field goal ended it, because that's a little shady. I, I think a touchdown is a fair way to end it. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, uh, I, I actually, I, I kind of like to see both teams because I feel like that last game came down to whoever had it last. Like, if Josh Allen won that, I really feel like if he won that coin flip, whoever had the ball first was going to score. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe it's like if you kick the extra point, they get a chance. If you go for two and make it, the game ends. Yeah, but then at a certain point, it's just like NHL overtime, and it's so different from like the normal games. Like, is it even still the same game when you get to a certain point? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you could do uh, a college style overtime, maybe. I wouldn't be against that, but I don't know. I I think a role change just for one game, I I don't really like. Yeah. All right, let's get to number two. I'm going to take the 49ers minus six and a half against the Panthers this week. Um, 49ers are going on the road, but I think they're a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo. People were hating on Jimmy G in the Denver game because, I mean, he did struggle, but he also didn't have a playbook all offseason because they were looking to trade him. Trey Lance was supposed to be the guy. So, of course, they're going to struggle. I think they're a better team with Jimmy G under center. Panthers look like a mess on offense, Baker is, I think, quite frankly, with the conditions and teams surrounding him, this could be the bottom quarterback in the league. Oh, wow. I haven't seen any Panther games, so he's been that bad. Right. I'm not saying that he's the worst quarterback. I'm saying with the talent surrounding him, what you're going to get. He's the biggest underachiever. Yes, for what you get. I don't think Carolina is going to be able to keep up with the 49ers defense, who... um, with Nick Bosa, who leads the league in sacks. And uh, they're, who's the uh, safety they have who looks like Paul Amole? I, I forget the name off the top of my head, but he's playing unreal. Fred Warner in the middle. I think it's a tough defense. And I'm expecting a very low-scoring game from the Carolina Panthers, who 
outside of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore don't have any playmakers. All right. There we have it. Let's go with number three. Three. We're going to take, uh, I'm going to take the Browns this week plus three versus the Chargers. Oh, okay. Chargers are just banged up. Um, Herbert will play, but his ribs are still hurting. Rashawn Slater at tackle is out. Keenan Allen's still dealing with an injury. Um, Joey Bosa, J.C. Jackson, it's just the list goes on and on with these Charger injuries. Uh, Miles Garrett's banged up, but there's a chance he plays Sunday. I like the Browns to run the football and make plays when necessary. Plus, you're getting a field goal at home. I, I, I like Cleveland this week. I think Nick Nick Chubb might be the best running back right now. He, yeah, he, he looked he's incredible. A, he's the a last throwback. And he's he's so he um, averages five yards per carry over the past four years. I believe he's the only that's crazy. To do that. It, it felt like when they were playing the Steelers, he was averaging nine yards. Yeah, he's <laughs> so tough to tackle, and from a bunch of you know backups for the uh, Chargers, I think it's going to be really tough to maintain that run game with a great offensive line that the Browns have. I can't. Did the Browns just win last week? Uh yeah, Browns. Who who did they just I, play? I can't remember. The Browns are first in the division. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. They they lost to the Falcons. Okay, then I must be thinking of the Steelers game. And then that was at the end where he just ran it out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- he looked incredible. He's and the Steelers defense the looked bad too. He's a closer. The way Jerome Bettis used to close out Steelers games, Chubb can just put games away. I like. I want to go back and watch some old Steeler games from like when Willie Parker and Jerome Bettis were in, just to see like how different the game was, or like back when Roethlisberger was start. Well, I guess that was around the time with Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris, Antoine Randall. That would have been Roethlisberger's rookie year. Just just to see the you know the people on it, nostalgia. Yeah, absolutely. That was a team that could run run the ball, play defense, and then use Roethlisberger to extend plays when needed. That was. Definitely a better team than what we're seeing today. JP, uh, was that number you just made pick number three? Yes. Or are you on three? Okay, let's go to number four. If we stay in the AFC North, I'm going to go Bengals plus three against the Ravens this week. Ravens have been the best team in the division so far, but they have surrendered the most passing yards to anybody this season. And I like Burrow to take advantage of that with the wide receivers he has. Where is um, this? It's in Baltimore. Okay. But I, I do like Cincinnati with the points. Baltimore is 0-2 at home and 2-0 and on the road. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, so, some teams thrive, you know, on the road. But I, 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 I think Cincinnati's going to come into Baltimore. And I think they're going to get a W, too. And with the points, I, I, I like it. I think they'll be able to slow down the run game that Baltimore has. And I think that um, Mark Andrews is going to be the one that Cincinnati is going to have to, you know, zero in on, force Lamar Jackson to make plays to the wide receivers. And, you know, I I just think Bengals have a more explosive offense at the moment, and uh, I like them with the points. JP, um, I'm only asking this because I hate the Ravens field. What is your least favorite, like, if you're watching a game, is there a, a field that you're like, oh, I hate when they play that just because it looks stupid. Like, I hate when they play in Baltimore. I don't like the way their stadium looks. Like, the, the green on their field is, like, off a little bit. It's just ugly. Uh, to, to me, I, I don't really like watching 
anyone from like the Cowboys division. <laughs> I was yeah, just going to gonna say that. I, I've seen them in prime time too many times. So any sort of the fields there kind of kind of bug me. The NFC East. I love that the, the Dallas yeah, is in the NFC East. So <laughs> some of these yeah, are but like, <laughs> some of these are so strange. Like Indianapolis and Houston are both in the AFC South. I'm, I'm looking at right, some of them now. I mean, yeah, even the North teams, it would seem like the Patriots. Well, I guess the Patriots are like the most East and the most North. But all right, I've I've uh, changed the subject enough. Um, there, there's, I agree with you. Like the the Giants stadium. Well, I guess what MetLifers is, is that different now? Do the Jets and Giants still share a stadium? Do you know? I'm not sure. I didn't think they did. I thought they did a while ago, and then maybe they. I thought they the Giants it. played like closer to New Jersey. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe one was. Yeah, I can't remember. Maybe it was just for like one year that they did it, or something when they were like rebuilding the Giants stadium or whatever. Either way, let's go to number five. This is a lock, in my opinion, <laughs> and I think Vegas has screwed this one up. Detroit Lions plus three against the New England Patriots, you have to take. Um, quite frankly, the Lions have averaged 35 points per game. The games they're losing, they're scoring points. Uh, Patriots are going to roll out Bailey Zappi again, I'm assuming, um, <laughs> against this ferocious Lions team who um, they, they don't win consistently, <laughs> but they are aggressive as hell consistently. Jared Goff's playing the best football of his career up to this point. Well, that's not saying much, but <laughs> I, I I really like what Detroit's doing against a team like the Patriots. Patriots take away what you do best. Lions just bring out a, d- a different thing each week. You don't know if they're going to go ground and pound of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift or if Jared Goff's going to throw four touchdowns. I, I, I don't think New England's ready for Detroit, and I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think ever getting the points against a third string quarterback. I, I, I like Detroit. Zappi almost won that game last week. He did, but G- Green Bay's overrated too, in my opinion. Is uh is Cooper Rush uh, uh what's going on with him? I feel like every time Dak gets hurt, Cooper Rush fills in pretty well. I mean Cooper Rush, like I said, four of his career. I feel like what you get out of Cooper Rush for the price is better than what you get from Dak from the price. Dak is a better quarterback, but he also costs a fortune more. And I think if you want to make a smart business decision, I, I, I'd, I'd have Cooper Rush, but they're already in um, you know, that salary cap hole with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. I think that you could build a better team around Cooper Rush and Tony Pollard if you're Dallas. It seems like running backs anymore are like good for like – it used to be like running backs have such a, sh- a short uh, career – Anymore, it seems like you're good for like three years. And that, that's why I was afraid of the Najee Harris pick for, from the get-go. I said he'll be a great running back, but I kind of want someone who I can get a second and maybe a third contract out of. Yeah. And look at look what Dallas did with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Tony Pollard, he's better. He yeah. performs better each week, and they have a better record of Cooper Rush. Like, it's just well, wins and losses. That's the only stat that matters, and that those are the guys that get you the Ws. Yeah, but everybody in uh, the fantasy football era likes the numbers, and that's what they gauge a lot of people's uh, success on, I guess. But anyway, JP, uh, let's let's wrap this up. It's it's been wonderful coming back. Like I said, we missed a week, but it's nice to be back. 
tune in, obviously, every Wednesday for this show. Uh, listen to the regular Poor Man's Podcast every Monday. Watch the live stream on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, that starts roughly around 6, uh, between 6 and 7, depending on when our guests can show up and uh, the lineup we have that night. But it's somewhere in between there. So uh, follow the show, uh, and you'll get updates the day of, day before. All that good stuff. We have uh, some good comedians coming up. We have Eric Nesby coming on next week, Ronnie Fleming. Uh, I'm excited to have both of them on. We have Michelle from Pittsburgh Foodie Girls coming on in a couple weeks. Um, and obviously listen to uh, Sports Show with Sports Guy JP. JP, thank you as always for uh, joining us and telling us all the uh, the best picks for the week. Great. Yeah, always. I, I look forward to this, and hopefully we go 5-0 and the Steeler W. Absolutely, JP. Hopefully we get a Steelers W with Kenny Pickett against the Bills. That would be quite a story. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that game. I think it'll either be super close or maybe that 14 points uh, will be beat by halftime. Yep, we'll, we'll see. And ho- hopefully Pickett can, can get the ball downfield because uh, that Zach Wilson receiving touchdown last week, he has officially surpassed every Steelers wide receiver this year in receiving touchdowns. So oh, my God. Make some plays, Kenny. That's awful. My My whole thing is watching this. It's not about the wins and losses, like I said. I want to see progression from Kenny Pickett I, because it's all about the quarterback. Like, regardless of who, okay, maybe you have a, you do have a good running back. It's all about the quarterback all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to see progress from him. I want to see him learning. I want to see him making reads. Um, and just I want to see progression in him so we can see this going forward. And I do have confidence in him. I, I was kind of nervous when they took him. He's an older rookie and then i always i also thought kind of the pittsburgh bias kind of like oh yeah all the ginsers will like him and i i like his attitude i like the cut of his jib so i'm looking uh, forward to seeing what he can bring in buffalo yeah absolutely and I'm, I'm looking forward to it he's a lot more like he handles pressure much better than i thought he would and he's releasing the ball or extending the plays better than i anticipated coming out of pit I don't know how it works against a top team in Buffalo, but I mean that this is a great place to learn. And if he struggles, let's not kill the kid's confidence either. Yeah, absolutely. JP, as always, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Everybody, please subscribe and uh, don't miss out on anything. Share the show and uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter, but I'm not going to ever post anything. Uh, but thank you all so much. And I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. You like See you that? Next week. You like that? You play to win the game. About practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. Straight cash, homie.